Over the last two weeks, we had the opportunity to work through some different psalms. Today, we're continuing in, in our series in psalms. Let me give you a little bit of a game plan of what the, the future looks like here for us. We're going to stay in the book of psalms through the month of August. And then in the month of September, we're actually going to start a series on spiritual warfare, talking about the, the battle that exists for the true definition of the gospel. If you don't know, haven't noticed, the gospel is, is trying to be corrupted, um, as Satan has tried for many times to deceive many. We're going to look at the battle that exists for our children and the way that Satan is attacking the minds of young people in our society. We're going to look at the battle over the definition of sin and other things. I'm, I'm looking forward to that very much. Um, but until that time, we're going to be in the book of Psalms. And today we're going to look at Psalm 27. If you have your Bible with you this morning, would you open Psalm 27? If you have a Bible in front of you and you didn't bring one with you, open the Bible to Psalm 27. If, if you'd rather not use the Bible in front of you and you want to use your phone, pull out your phone and open Psalm 27. I want you to be able to read along with me, not just look up on the screen this morning. As you're doing that, let me read a story that I came across, which I think communicates much of what this psalm communicates. One of God's faithful missionaries, Alan Gardner, experienced many physical difficulties and hardships throughout his service to the Savior. Despite his troubles, he said, while God gives me strength, failure will not daunt me. In 1851, at the age of 57, he died of disease and starvation while serving on Picton Island at the southern tip of South America. When his body was found, his diary laid nearby. It bore the record of hunger, thirst, wounds, and loneliness. The last entry in his little book showed the struggle of his shaking hand as he tried to write legibly. And it read, I am overwhelmed with the sense of the goodness of God. I am overwhelmed with the sense of the goodness of God. Before we move into our passage today, let's pray together. Gracious God, we ask that you would communicate your truth, Lord, that you would be glorified. Father, we thank you for giving us your word, for giving us truth. We don't have to make it up. We don't have to try and invent it. God, you've given us truth, and we can rest in that. Father, we pray that you would be glorified. Remove distractions this morning, gracious God, that we can focus on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This is a psalm of David. We're not exactly sure why David chose to write this psalm at this time. We don't know exactly when it was written or the history behind it. Different people think they have different ideas, but no one knows for sure. But what we do know is that this is a psalm of David. And if you know anything about David's life, uh, there were many ups and downs, many hills and valleys that existed. And this psalm is another example of that. But here in verse 1, he starts out in the very beginning. And here's what he does. He gives three things that describe God. Three things that describe God. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my stronghold, the stronghold of my life. You know, in the Bible, God is described as light, right? 1 John 1, 5 said, This is the message we have heard from him, proclaimed to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Nothing. Jesus says in John 8, 12, uh, I am the light of the world, right? 
There was no darkness that exists in God. And here, here the psalmist says, listen, the Lord is my light. One commentator that I read uh, explained how this almost is a sense of comfort for David. It reminded me of a story. So growing up, my grandparents, they lived up in the Andes Mountains. They lived about four hours, give or take, uh, from where we lived in the city, right? And we would go out and visit them sometimes. And it was amazing over time how much things changed because when we first went out there, it was like dirt roads for a while. And it would be hot, but you had to leave your windows up. You know why? Because there was so much dust that would come in, right? And, <laughs> but we would, we would drive out and we would go to visit them. And I, I remember Nan, Nan would make, uh, and I'm going to talk about Nan a little later, so, but, but, but Nan would make, uh, we would go out and we would go hunting. And we had these little BB guns. And I remember one time we brought home some pigeons. And I tell you, Nan made some great pigeon nuggets. Pigeon nuggets for us. It's a great memory. Or she threw the pigeons out the back window and got a little bit of chicken, and we never, we never knew about it. But going up, going up to where, where Nan and Grand lived up in the mountains, uh, they had no power for the longest time, right? Or they would only have power for a certain amount of time throughout the day, and then they would shut the power off at night. And I remember going up there as, as a little kid, and we would sometimes go up for a week or two and, and be able to visit with them. But when we would get up there, uh, during the day everything's great, you have what you need, but then at about, I don't know if it was 7 or 8 o'clock at night, they would cut the power. Right? And, and part of that was, I guess, the grid. I don't, I don't understand it all. But they would cut the power. And Granddad had a little generator. And sometimes when they cut the power, he'd turn on the generator. And we could watch some old Andy Griffith VHS tapes in the TV. Right? You guys know that song, right? And, uh, and, but then when it was time for bed, when it was time for bed, I would, I'd walk. We'd go. They had a separate room and a little cot there. And I remember laying on the cot. And the power would go out. The generator would go off. And it was the darkest room I'd ever seen in my whole life. Things seem to be even darker when you're younger, don't they? It was so dark. And I remember, I remember laying there on the cot, and I would look over in the corner, and I could see, <laughs> I could see a group of pirates standing there looking at me, making fun of me, laying in my cot. It was the scariest thing for a little guy. And I closed my eyes. And I'd open them again, and there are those pirates, you know, with their sword. And, and I, but I had a flashlight. We always had a flashlight. Whenever I turned that flashlight on, they'd go away. Right? Why? Because they, they weren't there. And I turned my flashlight on. It was a sense, it was a source of comfort for me. It exposed what was true in the midst of darkness. That's who God is. God exposes what is true by his righteousness, his holiness, in the midst of a dark and discouraging world. God is our light. David says that God is our salvation. The Lord is our deliverer. The one that delivers us out of, out of trials, out of trouble. And he's our stronghold. We spent a lot of time last week talking about that. We're not going to spend time today talking about it. You can go back and listen last week. The Lord is our fortress. He's our stronghold. God is my all with all of these three things. And he says, who, who should I be afraid of, right? If, if God is these things, then, then, then what, why do I have to worry when the difficulties and the challenges come in my life? Why do I have to be afraid? But we shouldn't be, right? Second Timothy says that God gave us a spirit, what? Not of fear. Not of fear. 
but of power, love, and self-control. I believe the King James says, of a sound mind, right? And it helps us process through some of those things. Romans 8.31, what shall we say to these things? If God's for us, who shall be against us? Who's greater than God? The God of the Bible, no one. He's our light, our stronghold, our salvation. Here's, here's what I want to spend some time with today is, is this is so important. And we, the, each, each psalm is so different and unique, and there are different types of psalms. But look what David does in this psalm. Before he gets in, into any of his difficulties, any of the trials, before he writes any of those things down that he's going through, he first establishes who his God is. So that he can look at his difficulties through the lens of knowing who his God is. How great, how powerful, how merciful his God is. And then, after verse 1, he starts to talk about some of the things that are going on. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it's they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war arise against me, yet I will be confident. The beginning, when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh. Have you ever watched those uh, like National Geographic or whatever that would be where, where you have a predatory animal that's seeking after its prey and they have it on, on film. I hadn't watched one of those in a long time. And the other day I was sitting down with Nehemiah and I thought, you know, it'd be really cool for him to see a cheetah run. And we're watching a video of a cheetah run and that gazelle was getting really close. And I thought, you know what? <laughs> now that I think about it, I think this gets a little bit too bloody to watch what happens next, buddy. Yeah, the cheetah's really fast. <laughs> and that was the end of it. Yet we know how gruesome that is. The Bible tells us that there is one, that there is one who seeks to devour us, our adversary, our enemy. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to, and the word that is used is the word devour. David says, when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh. My adversaries and foes, it's they who stumble. If an army camps against me, I'm not, I'm not going to be afraid. If a war comes, I'm still going to be confident. What am I confident in? Well, it's not how cool I am. It's not how strong I am. It's not how smart I am or how wise I am. My confidence is in that God is my light. He's my salvation. He's my stronghold. He's my deliverer. He's my redeemer. That's who God is. And I can be confident. And I don't have to live in fear because of who God is. No matter what comes in my life, no matter the challenges that I am faced with, I don't live in fear. Next week we're going to look at Psalm 34. Right? Psalm 34 verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. All my fears. Those who trust in the Lord have nothing to fear. Because our God is over all. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What are you seeking after in your life? What are you looking 
towards? What are you looking for? I believe we're all seeking after something. And there are some who come into church and, and, and think that they're seeking after God, but they're really not. They find themselves seeking after other things. And so my question to you today is, what do you find yourself seeking after in your life? There's only one thing that can be at the top of the list. Right? A man cannot serve two masters. There's only one thing that can be at the top of the list. And I can't tell you what you're seeking after today. That's between you and the Lord. But David, David realizes that what he was seeking above all else was communion with God, relationship with God. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord in all of his holiness and righteousness and perfection. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon the rock. It's so clear through reading the Psalms that David is confident in that God is his protection. That God is his protection. He will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. We talked about this a little bit last week, and you've heard me talk about it before, that David, is he, he talks about all these things that are going on, and then here's what he said. I'm going to make sacrifice with shouts of joy. I'm going to sing and make melody to the Lord. It's his testimony, his testimony of deliverance. What's your testimony of deliverance? Are you willing to share it with people? Are you willing to... Make melody to the Lord, to praise God for what he has done in your life, for what, you've, what he's brought you through. You say, well, Tony, listen, I, I came to know the Lord when I was like six, and, and I wasn't doing a whole bunch of bad things then. You, you were delivered. You have a story. It's important. I came to know the Lord at the age of five. It was at that moment that I recognized I needed a Savior, it was at that moment I realized that my sin, I couldn't save myself. Young, yet I understood some of those very basic components. It was at that moment that I gave my life to Jesus. I remember, I remember where I was. I remember I asked my mom to come in the room. Yeah, I look at my life since then, and I see so many things that God has delivered me from. And of those things... And of what he delivered me from when I was five years old, in my sin, of that I sing his praises. David says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me, answer me. You have said, Seek my face, and my heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. We just asked a little bit, I just asked a couple minutes ago, What are you seeking after in your life? And, and, and hear what David says. Is I'm seeking after God. I'm seeking after God. The face of God do I seek. Hide not your face from me. 
Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. There are times in life, I believe, and, and I think this even indicates a little bit of it for David, when God doesn't answer our prayers in the way that we want him to, or the timing that we're hoping he does. There are times in life when maybe it feels like God's face is hidden from you. David's prayer here is he asks God to not hide from him. Oh God of my salvation, reminding himself and worshiping God and declaring who God is. Lord, please do not abandon me. And then we see a little bit more. He says, my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Look at that first line. My father and mother have forsaken me. There are some people, including some within our congregation, who in turning to Christ are forsaken by their family. God will not forsake you. God will not abandon you or leave you. The psalmist says, listen, my mom and dad, my father and father, they, they forsook me, but, but God, but God invites me in. God takes me in. God welcomes me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and leave me on a level path because of my enemies. Lord, show me who you are. Help me to live according to your word and according to your standards. The idea of a level path is, is very interesting, right? He, he doesn't say, Lord, lead me to the top of the mountain where everything is perfect and everything's great. He said, Lord, just keep me on level ground. <laughs> keep me on level ground with you on my side. These enemies that I have, he says, they're, they don't, don't give me up to their will. For false witnesses have risen against me. They breathe out violence. We, we see what's going on in David's life. He is, he is not in necessarily the best of situations. Everything's not rosy. There are people who are after him. And they breathe out violence. Then David says this. And we're going to spend a little bit of time here today. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So, so think about that with me for a moment. Right now we, we have people that are looking to devour him. We have uh, other situations that are going on. There's abandonment. There's other struggles that he has in his life. Yet, yet what he says is this. He says, listen, no, no matter what's going on, I believe I believe that I'm going to see God's goodness in the land of the living. Now, there are some people that, that, that take this passage to mean, to mean the next life. I, I, think, I think it's talking about today. I think it was talking about right here that I'm going to see God's goodness in the land of the living. Either way, the believer can be assured of seeing God's goodness in either place. He tells us of the difficulty and struggles that have come in his life, yet he believes that he's going to see God's goodness so let me ask you this question. When are you able to see God's goodness in your life? 
When are you able to see God's goodness in your life? The truth is that God's goodness is there each and every day. But sometimes it's hard to see past the pain. Around nine years ago, uh, my nan started with E. coli. It might have been about ten years ago. Uh, a pretty simple thing that oftentimes is, is treated and, and goes well. I remember trips to the hospital where she fought the illness, but eventually it took her life. I remember sleeping in the ICU waiting room and hoping that her blood cell count would come down. It would come down. I remember praying there in, in that room. I remember pulling out the, the book of Psalms. We, we had this book that just had a whole bunch of different Psalms and just reading it, reading it for comfort, for hope, and trusting the Lord. See, my nan and granddad, I talked about a little bit in the beginning, right? I grew up with them as being our only family that lived in Bolivia with us. And so we were really close. They're, they're basically a second set of parents to us as kids. They had retired and moved back to the United States, and she had just gotten this, this bug and fought and fought and fought, yet it seemed like the fighting never ended. I remember her coming home. I remember signs that were put up, welcome home, Nan, thinking that she had finally beaten this disease, only for her to go back in the hospital again. I remember driving with her. I remember the difficulty that she went through. I remember that she wasn't able to attend our wedding because she was in Geisinger Hospital just fighting for life. See, our wedding was a joyous day, but it was also a difficult day because I remember It was a tough one. Granddad came by himself, came right before the wedding, and left right after to go back and be with Nan. It was almost like a little bit of a cloud over a wonderful day. It was. See, Granddad and Nan, they lived in a small apartment behind our house. We would do things together every day. It was a very hard time. And just a couple days after we were married, she went home to be with Jesus. Where's God's goodness in that? It was a really hard time for our family. Uh, yet I absolutely saw God's goodness in it. I saw God's goodness in how our family was able to come together, love on one another, saw God's goodness and who showed up at her funeral to give testimony of her life. I saw God's goodness in the many years that I was able to learn from Nan. I saw his goodness in that even though she wasn't able to be at our wedding, the Lord allowed her to live until that point to see one of her grandchildren married. And Sarah and I, I remember after, after we did the confetti thing or whatever that is you do when you leave, we, we got in a car and we drove to the hospital, right? You know how... You know how you don't like it when you go to a wedding and, and they make you wait forever to eat the food because you've already been waiting for so long? We made our guests wait a long time because we went, we went to the hospital and we went to go see Nan. And so Sarah in her, her wedding dress looking beautiful and, and me in my suit and we went up in the elevator. I remember people just kind of 
kind of looking at us as we walked through, right? And we went up in the elevator and back into where her room was. And there she was on, on her bed. And she tried with all of her strength to stand up. We wouldn't let her, right? We're like, Nan, Nan, you got to lay down. And we got a picture together. And she got to see that. She was with it at that point. She knew what was going on. She wasn't soon after. I saw God's goodness in that. I saw God's goodness in that she was healed even though it might have not been the healing that I was praying for. See, the Bible says in Romans 8, 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose, right? And we hold on to that. We realize that, Lord, you, this, this situation might have not ended up the way that I was thinking, but God, you're still good, and I can still see your goodness, and I choose to look for your goodness, even in the most difficult scenarios and situations of life. I choose to look to you Amidst the pain. And then David ends with this. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This doesn't mean to be idle. It doesn't mean to sit on your hands or just watch TV all day and, and wait for the moment that Jesus comes back, right? That's not what's being said here. Instead, to hope in God, to trust in God, to realize that God's moving, even though you might not see it in your situation or scenario. God is working. Trust in him. Realize that his timing is perfect. I've talked before about the one author who describes waiting for God as almost like you're sitting in a doctor's office sometimes in God's waiting room. And you're waiting for God to say, okay, now this situation is going to work out this way. Sometimes we wait a long time. But we know that his timing is perfect. And realize this morning that when you wait on God, sometimes it can be exhausting. But the Bible is so clear. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those who wait for the Lord will have their strength renewed. Be strong in the Lord's strength and what he provides for you. Let your heart take courage even in the difficulties of life and wait for the Lord. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Psalm 27. Father, we thank you for how you've allowed us in your word to see into the hearts and lives of so many of these different individuals. The difficulties and the struggles that they go through. Because we know, we know that in this life we are in a spiritual battle. Your word is so clear. And we also know, Lord, that through Christ you have given us what we need to stand against the schemes of the devil. Lord, as we sit in God's waiting room in different scenarios of life, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to have patience, help us to take courage, to live courageous lives. I can't help but think, Lord, of so many who have come before us and the tremendous courage. I think of the missionary uh, we talked about when we started today. What courage 
to continue to try and reach people even knowing that this is most likely the end of your journey. Help us to be courageous, to be strong in you. It's only through you, Lord, that that kind of courage comes, that kind of strength comes. Help us to not rely on ourselves. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and close the service together.